Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. Well, we're just about to enter into that season of the Great Fast. This Sunday, we have what's called Meat Fair in many Eastern churches. That, of course, is another word for Mardi Gras, or Mardi Gras is another word for Meat Fair, meaning we're going to have meat for the last time. We're going to give it up for Lent, but we ease into it. Next week, we'll eat dairy products or cheese, so it's called Cheese Fair for the last time. And then we've moved serenely, hopefully serenely, into the rigors of the Great Fast. Now, I say rigors because it really is. It's an ascetical discipline. In fact, what's coming up in a few days will be the observance of all ascetical mothers and fathers. In other words, the spiritual masters, especially the desert, the monastics of the desert, they were the great example, the paragon, the paradigm by which we measure ascetical disciplines. And Lent is a time of asceticism. And a lot of people don't really know what that is, what that means, asceticism or ascetical disciplines or ascetics. We generally associate them with the monastics because that was part and parcel of what monasticism was. It was a way of dying to self, dying to the world, dying to everything that is excessive and living just for Christ. That's where we get the term monasticism, monasticism, meaning one, singular focused, living as one. Many monks lived as hermits, but they would come together at certain times for community prayer and meals and so on. And then eventually they developed what was the cenobitic life, meaning like cells. In other words, monastic cells, and then they would come together in community. But many of them were eremitic. In other words, they were of the desert. They were solitary hermits of the desert. And they lived lives that were very rigorous. And one of the reasons they did this was to, well, it was actually for the same reason we do it during Lent, only we don't do it nearly as severely as they do, because they did it as a whole lifestyle, much more severe than we do. We think that giving up meat or dairy products for 40 days is severe. Well, I guess some things are relative, but 
what they did was they gave up things for their entire life. They gave up an entire life of luxury and comfort and so on, lived in caves and dens and so on. And why did they do this? Several reasons. First of all, they knew that our fallen passions, in other words, our propensity for sin, to fall into those passions such as gluttony, in other words, excess, lust, you know, very easy things to fall into, that those things needed a lot of strength, a lot of work, a lot of discipline to master, to overcome. And it takes a lifetime. And even then, we're still always working at that. We can never reach absolute perfection on this earth. But we strive towards that by ascetical disciplines. And what they would do is they would practice these ascetical disciplines also because not only to stop or to destroy the tyranny of their fallen passions, notice I say fallen passions, passions in themselves are not bad. It's the fallen side of them that are bad. Our passions really are our desire for God, for intimacy with God, and all that is true, good, and beautiful. We're made that way. But because of original sin, though that desire has a fallen side. But they also did it because they wanted to be singularly focused on God. They wanted that ultimate intimacy in God. So they would go away from all worldly distractions and just immerse themselves, just drink up the scriptures. A lot of these monastics would actually have the whole Bible memorized. They certainly had all 150 Psalms memorized. They would do the Jesus prayer many, many times a day. You know, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. They would practice silence. They would eat very little. Some of them even slept very little. Some monks were known to sleep only one hour a day while they kept vigil. Vigilance, big, big component of the ascetical discipline and the spiritual life in the Eastern churches. In fact, we pray about that during the Divine Liturgy. We pray that the Eucharist that we receive will help us have a spirit of vigilance. That means like being spiritually awake, being on our toes spiritually so that we can see God We can feel the stirrings of the Holy Spirit in us freely and clearly, but also we can be vigilant for that that wolf, that devil, that father of lies that's always lurking about to tear us down, especially if we are striving for holiness. What they tried to achieve was something that I think is one of the most rare qualities of our times, something that I have to admit on on a personal level I'm very concerned about. Probably my number one concern about something that has almost vanished from our reality, and that is humility. Now, when I say this, you might be thinking of, oh, yeah, well, I'm kind of humble. You know, I don't boast about myself. If someone compliments me, I kind of say thank you. I don't take credit. So I'm humble. Well, that's a little piece of humility, but it's very, very superficial. What I mean by humility goes much, much deeper, goes to the very core and center of our being. In fact, it is the core and center of being Christ-like. Remember, Jesus Christ said, I am meek and humble of heart. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. So Jesus Christ was all about humility, what we would call extreme humility. In fact, one of the icons is an icons that It's very similar to the Christ the Bridegroom icon. It shows Christ as he had been scourged, wearing the crown of thorns and stripped. It's actually called extreme humility. So that word extreme is being used a lot today, especially by our young people. Extreme this, extreme that. Well, (laughs) the church knew about extreme a long time ago. 
but really what we would consider to be extreme is actually closer to the norm. In other words, to be free of the tyranny of our passions and how we have to get there might seem extreme, but that's actually approaching the norm, approaching the norm. We were not supposed to be bound by our passions. We were supposed to be singularly focused on God, just relishing life in the light of God. This is how Adam and Eve were created. This is how we were meant to be always. But we are in exile as Adam and Eve were sent into exile from the fall after sin. That's what our Lenten journey is about. Our sense of being in exile is why we sing the beautiful mournful hymn from the Psalms. By the waters of Babylon I wept. It's a psalm that the Israelites sang when they were in the Babylonian exile away from their homeland and they were saddened. So we are in exile And we're far away from the kind of humility that we really ought to have. That's why we turn to the great ascetics. And there's great, great stories about their, what we would consider to be their extreme humility. There was a story about a monk who wanted to grow in perfection. So they would, he would go to the abbot, as the monks often would, to go to their spiritual father or the abbot. They would ask them, how do I grow in perfection? Well, one day this monk went to the abbot and the abbot told him something. Okay, if you want to grow in perfection, here's, a, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the cemetery and I want you to insult all the people lying there dead, buried there. Just insult them. Get angry at them. Say terrible things. And after a while, I want you to come back and tell me about that. So the monk did. And the abbot asked him, so you stood there and insulted all the dead people in the cemetery. Yes, I did, Father Abbot. Well, what happened? Did they answer you back? He said, well, no, I didn't hear anything. The abbot said, okay, go now to the cemetery again. This time, compliment everybody buried there. Lavish great praise upon them. And after you've done that for a while, come back to me again. So the good monk did that. Obediently, he went there and lavished praise on the very dead people that he had previously lavished insults. It comes back to the abbot. The abbot said, well, how did it go? Did you lavish praise on everybody buried there? And the monk said, yes, I did. And the abbot again asked him, well, what did they say? What did you hear? He said, nothing. So the abbot said, so you insulted them and heard nothing. And you praised them and they said nothing. You heard nothing from them. That is how you too must be, whether you hear insult or praise. You must be as if you heard neither. Another story about a monk who was accused of adultery, of fornication, actually, with a young woman from the village. And the village men went out to the monastery, and they apprehended the monk, and they dragged him into the town through the village and scorned him. They're going to put him on trial and punish him for having relations with this young maiden. And as this is happening, the young maiden was watching and she became saddened and remorseful because what she said about the monk was not true. Finally, she was moved with enough pity and guilt. She went to the townsmen and said, stop, leave him alone. What I said about him was not true. And the townsmen said to the monk, well, why didn't you tell us that you were innocent? You didn't say anything to us when we apprehended you and dragged you through the streets. And the monk said to the men, Well, I know I was innocent, but I figured I needed the penance anyway. Now, can you imagine what a contrast that is to how we would react today? What happens when we have a little bit of road rage? What happens when anybody crosses us in any way? What do we do today? In fact, what are we practically told to do or taught to do, raised to do? 
be in a perpetual state of being offended. Anyone who says anything that we don't like, that we disagree with, well, they're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to ever be disagreed with. We're never ever supposed to hear anything from somebody we don't like, we don't personally like. Otherwise, we take vengeance on them. Vengeance by calling the names, labeling them. You're a racist. You're homophobic. You're a misogynist. You're a chauvinist. You're this, you're that, you're liberal, you're conservative, you're progressive, you're reactionary, you're right-wing, you're left-wing, you're on and on and on and on. And we try to prevent them from speaking. We punish them. We take their careers away. We put them up in the media and shame them, even if it's not true. We dig around for dirt for something they did a long time ago. Let's face it, everybody has something in their past. We've all spent some of our youth misspent. But we move on. We convert. A revert. We shouldn't be held accountable like this for everything we did in the past that people dig up. Oh, but we do that because if we don't like that person or like what they said about us, we're going to get you. We're going to ruin you because you did this to me and I will sue you. It's your fault. I'm not happy because of you. Married couples do this a lot. If only he would change, if he would be this way or stop being that way, then, then we would be happier. When I come back, we're going to talk more about real humility with the example of our ascetics. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card with your help. We can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Father Loya invites you to see the new Tabor Life website. That's taborlife.org. When you land on the homepage, you can see how Tabor Life can help improve your marriage, your life, and how to see the beauty of God's created order in your personal life. On taborlife.org, you can book Father Loya to speak to your organization about the key elements of leadership, relationships, and sexuality, as well as speak on cultural, social, and political issues. As a renowned artist, Father Loya can speak about how art, liturgy, and prayer fit together. On taborlife.org, you can see the many ways of how you can communicate with us. And as you look to the lower right-hand corner of the page, Click on the messenger icon for live chat. And finally, Taper Life Institute is a 5013C charitable organization that earnestly needs your support. Click on the support link at the top of the page and donate. After all, Taper Life is powered by you. You're, you're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. This is Bold Talk with Father Thomas Loya. Loya. We live in strange times, full of contradictions, many of which we create and then force upon ourselves. An example. To hear the rest of this and other bold talks with Father Thomas Loya, visit TaborLife.org and go to the main menu and click subscribe. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. I really get excited about this season of Lent, the ascetical disciplines. I, uh, they're challenging, they're hard, but I get excited about the depth of which we 
which we immerse ourselves into this mystery of trying to become holy, the mystery of Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection, how it changes us. I'm also excited about something else. I'm excited to announce a huge power increase for Catholic Radio in Colorado. We have listeners in Colorado. I want to say hello to all of them. Our longtime partner, the Catholic Radio Network, now has two powerful radio stations serving Denver, Boulder, Colorado Springs, Pueblo, and much more. And the newest station, KCRN 1120 AM, will soon be broadcasting with 50,000 watts. EWTN Radio congratulates Jim O'Laughlin and his great team at Catholic Radio Network, now serving even more of Colorado with the truth of the Catholic faith. So that's exciting. After all, the reason we're here at Light of the East is to, well, <laughs> shed the light, let the light shine, the light of truth. And in our case, the light of truth as it is lived out, as it shines through the eastern lung of the church. Another story about a great ascetic, bishop named Charolumpus. How's that for a name? I'm sure you'll name your children Charolumpus. <laughs> he was a great saint. He was a bishop of Magnesia and suffered for Christ at the age of 113. When a violent persecution broke out under the Emperor Septimus Severus, the aged Charolumpus did not hide from his persecutors, but freely and openly preached the Christian faith. He endured all tortures as though not in body. And when they flayed the living flesh from him, the godly saints said to the emperor's soldiers, Thank you, my brethren, for scraping off the old body and renewing my soul for new and eternal life. He performed many wonders and brought many to the faith. Even the emperor's daughter, Galena, repudiated the paganism of her father and became a Christian. Condemned to death and led to the place of execution, St. Chaolumpus raised his arms to heaven and prayed for all men that God would give them body, health, and salvation of soul, and that he would grant them the fruits of the earth in abundance. Lord, you know that men are flesh and blood. Forgive them their sins and pour out thy blessing on all. After praying this way, the saintly elder gave his soul to God before the executioner had laid his sword to his neck. He suffered in the year 202 AD. Galena took his body and buried it. You imagine he's being flayed alive and he says, thank you for you have renewed my soul for eternal life. Now that's humility. That would certainly seem extreme to us. We would get a lawyer and sue that person. That unfortunately is how far away we are from humility. And I'm not talking that we shouldn't exercise justice in our life, in the world and for other people. I'm talking about, though, the examples of these people who, let's face it, they're saints, so they must have done something right. If they were extreme, and extremeness got them to sanctity, then I want to be extreme too. And our Lenten rigors, fasting for 40 days, no meat or dairy products, extra prayer, penance, that's hardly extreme. So we do this because we want to become humble. Our culture will tell us to look at everything and blame everything and everybody for our unhappiness. We take no responsibility of our own. This is especially true in family life and marriage, unfortunately. We'll say things like, you know, you did this and that's why I'm angry. You made me angry. Ultimately, everything comes down to pride. I don't think we realize how prideful we really are. Now, the great desert ascetics did realize that. That's why they went to the desert and did what we would consider to be extreme practices. But they knew they had to do those things to break the tyranny of passions, but especially the tyranny of pride. We automatically respond to things so much in the I, the me, how I'm feeling. And we want 
all the world to comply with our feelings. And if we don't feel right, we feel offended, as we're taught to be in our culture at any moment and all the time. If we feel that way, then we withdraw our gift. We cop an attitude. We act vengeful. Well, I'm going to give you a few tips on how to try to regain humility. First of all, practice the ascetical disciplines of Lent, especially as they are in the Eastern churches. Don't be afraid to go without meat or dairy products for 40 days and even give up some other things too. Believe me, if you practice giving up meat or dairy products for 40 days, you're going to find that to be actually relatively easy. See, that's the key. You come to a certain threshold, a certain plateau in your asceticism that you thought was impossible. Then you get there and it's like, oh, I got there. This isn't so bad. So guess what? You got to strive for the next plateau. So you don't have to give up just meat and dairy products. Abstain from all kinds of things throughout the day. You could do this constantly, even spontaneously. You know, you're going to sit down and watch some television, for example. Catch yourself and say, you know what? I'm going to not watch this show. Maybe I'll watch another one, but I'll watch less. Spend less time on your phone, less time texting. Just back things off in every aspect of your life. Little bit, just back the dial off in every aspect. It's amazing. It's going to be amazing how challenging that might seem. But once you start doing it, then you increase the severity of it, the challenge of it, and you'll find yourself growing in holiness and discipline. Second thing is always be present to the person you're with. In other words, don't sit there as they're talking or you're with them and wondering how they're thinking about you, how you're coming off to them what you don't like about what they said, how you're going to refute what they said or add to it. Just be totally present to them. Just be a totally open container that you're going to receive this person. You're going to wonder about them. You're going to learn about them. You're going to treat them as a unique mystery that they are. I had this experience. I've had it for, well, I've had it from time to time, but I especially had it in the presence of St. John Paul II. He was known to do that. He was known to have that gift where he could make you feel like you're the only person in the world. And I did experience that personally with him, I have to admit. It was very palpable. It was very real. And of course, he was a great saint. He knew how to do that. Here he was, the Pope. I'm just a little old seminarian or priest. But yet, he treated me as though I was the only person in the world. He was totally present to me, like he was, as though he were drinking you in, like he really wanted to meet you, to be with you, to experience your mystery. The other thing is, try to practice what I call deferential love. Don't blame anything or anybody. Ask yourself this, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm hypersensitive to this. Maybe I put too much emphasis on this or that. Maybe I'm expecting too much out of someone. Maybe I can see this a different way. Maybe there's another way to interpret this rather than, well, you did this because you're no good. Rather than assign a malignant motive, always choose the most benign interpretation first. Above all, pray. Pray for forgiveness. Pray for mercy. Pray for the gift of humility. There's much more that we can say about this. Those are a few points and a little bit from the great ascetics of the Eastern Church. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab.
and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. WTN Radio for the reason that Mother Angelica founded this entire enterprise. She always saw this as a spiritual growth network. It was to be an enterprise in media that reached people in all aspects of their life. She saw this as a a holistic approach to reaching the whole person in the middle of the world and bringing them truth and life. Raymond Arroyo thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!